Today, we look back at a 35-year-old woman from Eureka, Utah, who drove and maintained an ambulance truck at the front lines in France in World War I. Maud Fitch sailed for France in March 1918. By May, she was attached to the French Army and was driving wounded soldiers from the front lines to hospitals in the rear. Maud wrote 228 letters home. We pick up the story on June 1st. Dearests, we got a message to all report at once and in an hour's time. We're five miles from the German trenches. We had a most beautiful run through the country, all very green and lovely, to an enchanting old farm way up on the top of a hill. A call came in, and my ambulance got it. We filled up with our wounded and started back in the dark. And in half an hour, I found myself in the most exciting episode of my life. It got pitch black and the roads were filled, packed tight with sometimes three streams of advancing troops, cavalry and camions. At certain points, the congestion was almost impassable. As it was in one place, I had to wait for one hour for even one place to dart into. And then I simply locked wheels right and left, grazed stone walls, rolled a man around on his feet against his horse, I flew over a bridge. Smith, the interpreter, gasped and said quite snarkily, Why so fast in this narrow place? But my only answer was, More gas. I went a kilometer out of my way through the town, and when I got back to the square for my bearings, a shell had fallen in the house on the side, and the directions and fountains were in ribbons. We finally got our poor sick gassed patients to the hospital. We are not allowed to touch if it is mustard gas, as even the doctors have to work on them with masks and rubber gloves. June 3rd, Monday. There must have been hundreds of big guns in action, as there was not even a minute silence of the loading of them. I think I never felt so heartsick and depressed as Saturday night out at the same hospital loading our ambulances. The silent procession of stretcher-bearers coming up to the cars and the terrible white faces of the wounded so much whiter in the moonlight. The stretchers were first laid on the ground, and the men that are not too hurt just open their eyes a moment in surprise and whisper, Merci, mademoiselle. P.S. I am going to take a chance on the post and send you a piece of the shell that fell near my car. It will make a good birthday present. June 14, dearests. Retreat. So silently, the men and horses marched along. It seemed unreal, ghostly. Great, tremendous guns would loom up suddenly alongside of me, then a team of white oxen carrying the household goods of some refugee, more cannon, more men in a never-ending line, clean back to the chateau I was helping to evacuate. But the next trip, I shall go over it quickly, as back and brain ache to think of it. The blessé got delirious and screamed and groaned and moaned until I thought I would lose my little remaining brain power. And what was the worst of all? I found myself going to sleep at the wheel, absolutely losing consciousness for whole seconds at a time, so that three times I had to get out and wash my face in the wet grass. And then I had the most extraordinary hallucinations. As a climax, while I waited for about 50 camions to pass me, one lurched out and caught my front wheel. And if a traffic man hadn't shouted at the top of his lungs, he would have dragged me over. And I couldn't even thank him. 
I was so afraid my voice would tremble. June 18th. Dearests, prepare yourselves for a fearful shock. This afternoon I was presented with the Croix de Guerre. It was all so impressive and military. The colonel called the six of us by name, and each had to stand in line at attention while he read each one's citation before pinning on her medal. I, unfortunately, was not as much elated as I should have liked. My tin hat was pressing so terribly on a vein in my forehead. But I tell you, my heart did sing when I thought of you and how you would adore getting it. And I smiled when I knew just what you would say, just what I expected. And again, yes, I have a daughter over there under the French army. But really, Mother dear, you know you must not boast of it, as they say they give them away because they are short of cigars. But I'm glad I've got it out of my system and for once have brought a bit of glory to the dear old Fitch name. This is Kirsten Swanson. And this is Mary Hears for Utah Women 2020 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Utah Women 2020 comes from our members. And the Utah Women's Giving Circle, a grassroots community with everyday philanthropists raising the questions and raising the funds to empower Utah women and girls. Information available at utahwomensgivingcircle.com. And Utah State University's Center for Women and Gender, providing a professional and social climate to enhance opportunities through learning, discovery, and engagement. Information at womenandgender.usu.edu.